You've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Urban Shooter Podcast. This is episode 128 of your favorite Righteous Podcast. Coming up next. Crossbreedholsters.com presents the Urban Shooter Podcast. Thank God for an expert. The weekly pro-gun variety show featuring the internationally known black man with a gun. Your friend and brother from a different mother. That's what I call a close encounter. Ken Blanchard. Love it. It's a star. You're going to love it. It's a classic. This week, I catch up with Matt. Got a report about Gunsight. And we talk about a black man with a gun. Right after JW gives us our Pledge of Allegiance. Hope you're doing okay. It's been a rough one. Hit it, J-Dub. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Well, here I was, minding my own business, snoozing a good snooze, and my cell phone started to buzz. I was getting a Twitter. Well, you know what happened? Somebody was letting me know that there was a black man with a gun somewhere in Arizona that had been filmed photographed and videoed carrying an AR-15 and a sidearm at a President Obama rally. Hmm. The plot thickens. By about 9 o'clock that morning, a crew from my job pulled me to the side and said, Hey, Ken, have you heard about that guy that's on the internet that black man with a gun ladies and gentlemen friends and family what do I think I think we're not as far in the equality and diversity and the rights thing as we think we are our goal is the United we stand but we are still standing apart in our own little groups what do I think I think we're getting better than we used to be 20 years ago but we're not there yet What do I think? I think a black man with a gun is still news. It's news in South Africa. It's news in Great Britain. It's news in Papua New Guinea and even news in Arizona. We are still divided. Open carry versus concealed carry. You know, you people. If you want proof of our division, look at the gun forums. Not the Gun Rights Radio Network forums. Those are ace. But the other ones, the R15 and some of the Glock forms. I know people who have left the forms because of outward racism, callousness, disrespect of those that should be our brothers. And I talk a lot about that indirectly on the Urban Shooter podcast. Gun rights is not a white thing. It's not a Republican thing. It's not a conservative thing. It's supposed to be a rights thing. You know, you can be pro-gun and not be Christian. You can be pro-gun and hate Rush Limbaugh, dislike Glenn Black. You can be pro-gun and not like NASCAR, country music, or the NRA. Yeah, I said it. Alan Corwin wrote 
Listen up, news media. There was no crime committed. No one was hurt. All behavior was perfectly legal. This man was making a point, and by all measures, he made it pretty well. You folks are stuck in a microcosm reality and can't tell. He says, let me put it in another metaphor. The government is getting so far out of control that farmers are showing up with pitchforks. What else would you expect? You can see that entire article on his blog, page nine. Special report, black man with a gun harms no one. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Oh, sometimes we forget that gun control is racist. And sometimes we don't help things either. And if you want my help, don't call me the N-word. If you want to really reach people for the cause of freedom, don't offend those that are different than you. And in case you haven't noticed, there are a lot of different folks out here. Oh, what do I think? There was a dude and his friends that wanted to exercise their right to vote. And they took their long guns. And check out this. It was the first U.S. Supreme Court case involving the Second Amendment. It was called Cruikshank versus the U.S. Supreme Court. And it always starts with a black man with a gun. Too far back for you? How about a little bit more modern? How about the Boston Massacre? No, not that one. The one where Crispus Attucks was shot. Half Native American, 27-year-old, 6'2", knock-kneed, runaway slave, born around 1723. Yeah, he was an expert cowboy. But his slaver was mad because he lost money that this dude escaped. You know, Crispus Attucks lived in Boston during that time. And he was, you know, eating dinner, chilling with his friends. Tired of the harassment, like all people in Boston at the time, of the British. Well, there was a big fight, you know, with some locals and British soldiers. Well, Christmas got shot. What do I think about a black man with a gun in Arizona? I'll get to him in a minute. But united, we have to stand. How about we move up to a time when it's even more real to you? Political events. How about May 2nd, 1967, Sacramento, California? A group of 30 young black men and women dressed in black leather jackets, berets, and dark glasses crossed the lawn to the steps of the state capitol. They were armed with shotguns, and although they kept their weapons pointed toward the sky, they approached the capitol building, and the then governor, Ronald Reagan, Speaking to a cluster of school children nearby, sees him, hauls tail, and runs back into the building. Soon after, the laws change in California. You know, when they got to the steps, they read this thing they called the mandate number one of the Black Panther Party for self-defense to a startled audience. And the mandate addressed to the American people in general, and black people in particular, details the terror, brutality, murder, and repression of black people practiced by the racist power structure of America, and concludes that the time has come for black people to arm themselves against this terror before it's too late. Now cameras are flashing and the press is going crazy. And folks are going crazy over these armed people. But somebody has, who are you guys? And the then 16-year-old little Bobby Hutton yells this out 
and is echoed down the hallway. We're the Black Panthers. We're black people with guns. Get over it. Now, the story wasn't a happy ending because this group went awry and didn't make it through all the things that they tried to do. But the media missed this point. They couldn't see beyond the guns. As a nation, we are in danger of splintering apart ethnically and racially still. The idea of community and equality is being lost. In August 2009, a man attends a political protest lawfully armed. It's a media moment. At last, something to convert our attention away from the crap that we're supposed to be covering, they think. The man is black. He is a black man with a gun. We find out later that he's a libertarian known in the area. The dude is wearing a white shirt and a black tie. Except for the sidearm and the back-slung AR-15. He could work for the Geek Squad. But all we see is the dreaded so-called assault weapon, the AR-15. The dude's name is Chris Matthews. These are our modern-day Crispus addicts. We will also find out that folks are trying to kill him just like the British shot Crispus addicts. They will personally assassinate his character. They will send disparaging remarks. They will say things that make you not want to be with him. A black man lawfully carries his AR-15 at a political rally. The press loses their freaking minds. Within our ranks, we're divided. Somebody's going to say, he was stupid for carrying a firearm to a political rally, especially one where the president was supposed to speak. Let me tell you this. Law enforcement officers, and especially the Secret Service, do not let their guard down for armed citizens. Everything they do, contrary to what you hear, is trained as if everybody walking was armed. Everybody with two arms is armed. Now, the only negative to me for Chris Matthews is that the Secret Service saw him long before the press did. I didn't or wouldn't like all those scopes and rifles pointed at my head from 500 yards away while I was doing my rights. That's a personal thing. I wouldn't do it. But what we have to do, though, is not crucify, vilify, nullify the balls it took to do it. United we stand, divided we fall. We have to make sure, because see, the bottom, the result is no crime was committed. Nothing negative happened. We should rally behind this guy because he did it. And despite what you think, united we stand, divided we fall. If you allow the press, if you allow anybody, if you allow politicians to separate you and to say how this guy was a crank, a nutcase, then they win. United we stand, divided we fall. Disagree at home, publicly, solidarity. United we stand, divided we fall. Don't you dare tweet, blog, or 
go against his brother. One, you tend to add to the racism. Two, you separate us again. United we stand, divided we fall. This was a black man with a gun, but if you carry a firearm, you are a black man with a gun. Why should I support you for carrying open? Why should I support you for carrying concealed? What makes this more outrageous or egregious or outrageous than anybody else? Was it merely that he was a black man with a gun, that he carried a rifle because he could? You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. A lot of people at that rally had firearms. And about a dozen or so, from what I saw in the video, had their sidearms out. You could see them as open carry, and you're required to do so in Arizona. And it's probably even more with government permission to carry at that rally. Why single out one brother? Check your racism at the door. If you have a right and you can't use it, then you don't really have a right. Mr. Matthews was exercising his fundamental right in the Constitution at exactly the appropriate time. This was a right and proper thing to do. The main purpose of the Second Amendment is to do exactly what has happened to prevent government from becoming tyrannical. That's what I think about that. You have a backup weapon? Never had the need. Get one. Keep that in your suit unless I tell you to take it out. Get yourself a Glock. Lose that nickel-plated sissy pistol. Here's a feature that I purposely did, but few take me up on. It's where I ask you, to share with me what you do, your shooting adventures or what you do or where you go so that other urban shooters can listen. Because sometimes you're confined to a cubicle, you're you're confined to a hospital, you're confined to somewhere. Maybe your wife won't let you go out. But there's somebody who's getting a chance to shoot. This is what that number is for, 888-772-6262. You can leave me a five-minute voicemail and you can leave more than that. Actually, I paste them puppies together. And you can tell a story and share your shooting exploits for us that are stuck behind a desk or stuck behind a cubicle somewhere. And we can't shoot right now, but we would love to hear what you're doing. This is about us. And us is the Urban Shooter Association. All those, no matter where you are, you don't even have to be from the city. Just law-abiding, fun-loving gun owners of the world. And here's one right here sharing a story about gun sight and shooting with his son. Hey, Ken. It's Jeff in Arizona. How you doing? I went to Gunsight on Sunday, and I thought I'd call you and leave you a brief message, tell you a little bit about my experiences up there. I went with my son. He's uh, in the National Guard. He's 22 years old, and he's an awesome shot, so I had to uh, kind of put my game face on and try to compete with him. Anyway, I'll tell you a little bit about Gunsight first, then I'll tell you a little bit about the folks that were in our class, and I'll tell you kind of a brief story about some of the exercises and the drills that we did. And then uh, finally, I'll tell you about the firearms that folks were using in the class. First of all, Gunsight is uh, the premier 
firearms training facility in the world. It's, uh, it was founded by Jeff Cooper many years ago. It sits on 2,000 beautiful acres in northern Arizona, and it really is a world-class facility. They train our military. They train military and uh, special units and law enforcement really from around the world. Anyway, uh, this is my second time up there. Um, I took my CCW training up there, and I went back this time for what they call the Range Day, which is a day of uh, outdoor range activities uh, that follows the CCW course. And if you've been to Gunsight before, you can just kind of sign up uh, in this, on the spur of the moment for this Range Day and attend, and that's what we did. So let me tell you a little bit about the folks in our class. Um, small class this time, there were only 10 of us, and just regular folks. The only person with any military affiliation was my son, and uh, outside of that, it was there were no military, no law enforcement. Um, there were just regular folks. Two brothers drove up from Tucson. They were both retired doctors. We had an older lady and her son from nearby Prescott, Arizona. We had another woman from Prescott who was a small business owner down there. And we had a retired airline pilot and, you know, me and my son, just uh, 10 regular people. Uh, so what did we do out there? Well, we showed up about 8 o'clock. We had a brief safety orientation and uh, just a little lecture about uh, the four basic uh, gun safety rules, which everybody should know. Then we headed out to the range. One of the ranges out there is a very large square range with uh, movable targets. We worked on um, presentation of the firearm, working from the holster. We worked on lots of different drills with still targets and moving targets. We shot from 3 yards, 5 yards, 7 yards, and 10 yards. Nothing further out than 10 yards. And in the afternoon... We did two simulations, one in a live fire shoot house environment and one in a ravine uh, nearby where they had uh, steel pepper poppers shed up, set up. And both of these simulations were uh, ways of sort of clearing a room or working your way through the ravine, moving around in the ravine until you could identify targets and you had to identify whether it was a, a good guy target. Uh, obviously, you don't want to shoot those or a bad guy target. And obviously, there... The goal is to identify, positively identify the target, get in a position where you can take that target out with two shots. So that was a great experience, especially in the ravine. It was really uh, kind, of a, uh, kind of a thrill to, to move through that kind of an environment. It felt very real, even though it was all obviously just simulation with, uh, with steel targets. Lots of great coaching, lots of great supervision. There were instructors really on us all the time, just providing lots of great feedback. Uh, a very positive experience, learned a lot. So what about the firearms folks were using? Well, first of all, you should know that Gunsight is deep in the heart of 1911 land, and there were lots of 1911s up there of various kinds, various sizes, uh, and as you pointed out, some fancy and some not so fancy. Uh, there were three Berettas in use. I brought my 92, and my son also brought his Beretta 92 in 9mm, and there was also one of the doctors had a Beretta PX4 in 40. And there were two Springfield XDs in use there. One was a subcompact, and one was a full-size, so both 9mm. And my son also brought his Glock 19 and his SIG 226. Didn't shoot those very much, spent most of his time with the Beretta. But anyway, the rest of the class was using 1911s. So that's about it, Ken. Uh, great experience. Anybody who has the opportunity to get to Gunsight, you need to take that opportunity. It's just a, a world-class facility in a beautiful part of the country, and uh, had a great time. Okay, Ken. Thanks. Talk to you again. Thank you, Jeff. And now you can do the same thing. Remember, that voicemail number is 888-772-6262. And here's our airsoft report 
part two of a conversation I had with Matt. Hey Ken and the rest of the Urban Shooter listeners. Sorry, I've, man, I've been real busy lately and I haven't been able to finish up our uh, conversation on Airsoft, but hoping that maybe this will fill in some gaps and uh, if you got more questions later on, maybe we can meet back up in Skype and hopefully my computer won't give us more issues. But yeah, brother, I just want to tell you that as I was saying, there's some propane adapters out there that will allow you to use camping bottles of propane for real cheap. Um, normally those green gas bottles are typically around, say, uh, $5 or so. Uh, maybe more like actually 10 It's been a while since I bought an actual bottle. And then you have to pay for shipping costs with uh, the good old propane from the regular store with an adapter you can end up and buy two bottles for the cost of five bucks or so and the adapter normally runs you ten to twenty dollars so the adapter will eventually pay for itself um, you get about as many shots out of one bottle of, of propane as you would a green gas bottle but there's some other advantages like propane bottles are actually safer uh, the green gas bottles have a history of blowing up in people's cars um, so that's definitely something you might want to look out for. Uh, but for getting into airsoft as a sport, we didn't really touch on that. And I hear, heard your uh, paintball interview or with uh, Matt G. And uh, I just want to throw it out there that um, airsoft is a, a fun sport, a lot, a lot like paintball in that way. What I liked about it more than paintball, and I played paintball a little bit uh, in late high school, but what I liked about Airsoft was it was more realistic in, in the, uh, so to speak, markers or whatever you want to call them. Uh, you do have to trust the people you're playing with and have some, some good, mature people that are playing Airsoft with you. Otherwise, it's not as much fun because there's no way to tell if, hey, I really did hit you. You can sometimes see the BBs bounce off of them. Um, and it does leave a pretty good sting and, and maybe sometimes a welt but you still need somebody who's going to honestly say, yeah, you got me. Um, so the other nice thing about Airsoft compared to paintball, in my opinion, is that you can use real tactical gear instead of uh, stuff that's more specialized for paintball. So the stuff you buy that's tactical off the shelf that uh, Tom from the Gun Dudes loves is uh, also stuff that you can use while you're airsofting. And uh, maybe eventually if you're into the tactical stuff you could use it for your gun gear when you go to the gun class or whatever like that um, some of the other advantages of airsoft as a sport is uh, that's not you're not getting marked up by a bunch of paint as well so you don't always have to clean all your gear to be safe with your gear though you definitely want a good set of goggles and paintball goggles work um, a lot of times masks aren't required like they are in uh, paintball. You can actually run around with a balaclava, one of the uh, basically ski mask kind of thing, if you want. But a lot of times during the summer, I don't run around with a, any uh, face protection or, or covering or that kind of stuff. Sometimes people will recommend that you wear a mouth guard, kind of like you would for football or, or boxing or something like that. Maybe not a big thick one, uh, but you do want to be careful because if you take a, a BB to the teeth, it it's definitely could chip them. Um, so that's the other biggest injury with paintball, or I'm sorry, <laughs> with airsoft, um, that you want to watch out for is that you 
keep uh, your teeth uh, protected in one way or other. Typically what I do, honestly, I don't wear a mouth guard. I'll either keep a, a tight uh, cheek weld to my stock and keep the gun at, at a high ready most of the time if I know I'm getting close to contact. Or maybe uh, I'll be sure that I always got my mouth shut whenever possible. Uh, normally if it does impact the lip before it impacts uh, your teeth, you're going to be okay. Uh, the biggest problem is if you're running around with an open mouth all the time, you catch a BB, then it's going to break uh, a tooth. I have had a couple lip shots that didn't actually break a tooth, so I, I know from experience that it will be okay if, if, if and almost all guns if you uh, just take it uh, that way instead of with a, a mouth guard. But it might be something that's a good idea. Some other things that are out there with airsoft guns, uh, they run a wide gamut. You can have a nice uh, what we call AEG or electric auto gun. I'm sorry, I reversed that. Automatic electric gun. Um, and it runs off of a RC battery that an RC car or maybe an RC plane would run off of. And it's an electrically driven um, motor on the inside that will cause the mechanism to cock and, and load and then release a piston that will uh, drive your BB. Uh, it's a pretty neat system. You can, if you like to tinker, you can tinker on them a lot. Uh, they're a lot of fun to work on, just like working on uh, real guns can be a lot of fun sometimes. Uh, but you don't have to worry about as much as if you followed all the safety procedures. Because if you if you screw up your airsoft gun, it's not going to blow up in your face and have a kaboom. So that's that's kind of comforting sometimes. Really, when it comes to AEGs, uh, the rifles that we use, uh, there's a wide range out there from everything from M4s to AKs, just like everybody tends to like in the United States. But there's also some uh, Styrogs, uh, you name it, really. There's just about anything out there. Uh, FALs, G3s, all that kind of stuff. And the cool thing is that they can go full auto. So if you want to kind of goof around with a little bit of full auto and... and blow some BBs down the range, you can definitely do that. Uh, you can also limit some guns to semi-auto as well if you use it more for training. My personal training AK has a, a special stock, uh, or a special stock in it and also has a special computer controller that allows you to program it and actually requires me to run the bolt, it's an AK, run the bolt every time I uh, change the magazine and also requires me to uh, clear malfunctions every once in a while. It'll simulate malfunctions about every 500 shot, shots or so is what I have it programmed for and about every quarter of those malfunctions are actually malfunctions that I have to clear with a more uh, advanced malfunction drill where I'd have to actually remove the magazine, run the bolt, and then replace the magazine and run the bolt again to load it. So it, it is pretty cool. It also counts my rounds uh, so that I can use any kind of style of magazine out there um, to where it just runs off 30 rounds every time. Unless if I did a tactical reload, then I'll do uh, thir 31 rounds. But the cool thing with that also is that there's a lot of different magazines out there with airsoft. There's what we call high caps, which are somewhere in the range of 300 to 600 rounds. There's drum magazines that carry thousands of rounds. Uh, there's uh, what we call standard cap that normally carry about 70 or so. 
And then there's what we call uh, mid-cap, which is around uh, 100 or maybe 